Hello, greetings all, and welcome through the welcome through. See, uh, you already fucked it up. I got messed up. <laughs> I already fucked you, it up. You don't even know how to say a, words. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about how this is the Brewers podcast, since Ronnie is so rudely keeping track of a Brewers game while we're recording our podcast for you, the listener, about Star Wars. But anyway, I, I ruined it. Hello, this is this is not this is not Brewers Cast or Tours Cast or whatever I was trying to say, like Tweety Bird. This is Thronderdome. You know it. You love it. It's the world's only Star Wars podcast. The one place you can go for Star Wars news and reviews, as long as it's news and reviews about books that came out thirty years ago. I am your host, Doctor Daniel Dotty. With me, the disgraced, defrocked Reverend Ronnie Gardaki. Ronnie, how about them Brewers? Well, uh, for those keeping track, they're currently uh, winning five to two against the Cubs in the, uh, I believe, sixth inning. So, uh, if you if you are obsessed with uh, this podcast, you can actually go back and see what Brewers game I'm referring to that we're recording during. Uh, but I don't know <laughs> could why probably you narrow do it down that. to uh, could probably narrow it down to which inning. Yes, we're we're recording during. Yeah. Um, well, see, I, I might do that, though, because uh, uh, fuck the Cubs. This is a White Sox house. Because, uh, of course, here in Birmingham, our local minor league team, the Birmingham Barons, uh, formerly the Birmingham Black Barons of the uh, Negro Leagues, is a feeder team to the White Sox. So we hate the Cubs. Uh, so go get them, Brewers, and I hope everyone has a good basis ball. Birmingham was immortalized uh, in the film Space Jam because that was the team Michael Jordan played for. That's right, yeah. So Birmingham, very undervalued as uh, one of the settings for Space Jam. Uh, also Red Dragon. We feed, One of the families that Frank Dollarhide kills is in Birmingham. Uh, and also that, uh, I guess that one episode of Criminal Minds with the murdering Romani family is, I guess, Alabama. So not technically Birmingham specifically, but I'm going to count it. But anyway, the, this is the this greater, is the greater stink chat. area. The the greater Stinkton metro area. Anyway, back to what we're really here to talk about, which, folks, we need to talk about Timothy. Um, Ronnie and I are pretty upset. We're upset with Tim. We're upset that he referred to paper. And we're very upset at a development in today's chapters, which I guess we'll save... To when it actually gets there, but let's just say my my unshakable, unwavering faith in Timothy Zahn as a great artist has been shaken and is now wavering. Um, I mean, I don't know how you're doing, Ronnie, but his I, reputation's I, I mean, taking a tumble. His reputation has taken a serious blow. Uh, so we'll we'll see if uh, we'll see if he recovers. Uh, at all, but I guess in order to give all y'all listeners a uh, an idea of what we're talking about, and of course to embark upon the uh, raison d'etre of our little podcast here, it's time for us to dive back into the final volume in the Thrawn trilogy, The Last Command, originally published in 1993 as the official sequel trilogy to the Star Wars movies. And we are now, this is our second recap episode. Uh, so we are covering chapters four, five, and six. Um, and one thing I will say for the last command, the rubber hits the road a lot quicker than 
either Heir to the Empire or Dark Force Rising. Uh, yeah, he's not playing like, grab ass develop- here. He's not playing grab ass. He, he, I guess Timothy recognizes that he's got to wrap this stuff up. So, so let's take a look and see what the maestro has for us today and how upsetting he will get. Uh, <clears throat> we open chapter four with a classic Zahn move of having a paragraph where he tells you what the planet is like before putting his guys on it, <laughs> which is always appreciated. This time it's Poderis, and it's the opposite of that uh, bird people planet that Card and his crew fucked off to uh, back in Dark Force Rising. So instead of all the humans living in the valleys, uh, on this planet, all the humans have to live on top of the mesas and away from the valleys. So as you can see here, of course, the Master Zahn's uh, imagination runs riot. He, he can think of two different kinds of ways to have a weirdo planet. Um, also a little bit of, you know, Ronnie, I, I know we don't like to nitpick <laughs> on the show. Um, but I have one here. So there's a line here that says, uh, let's see, with a disorienting 10-hour rotational cycle, a lowland slough ecology that had effectively confined the colonists to a vast archipelago of tall mesas and a nearly perpendicular axial tilt created tremendous created tremendous winds every spring and autumn, Poderis was not the sort of place wandering travelers generally bothered with. All right, I got a problem here. Perpendicular axial tilt that created tremendous winds every spring and autumn. Now, the axial tilt, as we know, is what creates the seasons, right? The Earth is not spinning straight up and down relative to the way it travels around the sun. It's actually tilted about 23 degrees on its side. So that's why in part of the year, the northern part of the planet gets more sun and the southern part gets less, and then the other part of the year... Uh, vice versa, the southern part gets more. That's that's what creates seasons. Now, if there's a perpendicular axial tilt, that would seem to me that it would be perpendicular that is straight up and down uh, relative to the plane of orbit that the planet has around its sun, which would mean that it would not have seasons because there's no tilt. So, I mean, my my only other interpretation of this would mean if he meant perpendicular axial tilt to mean like 90 degrees perpendicular, like it's turned on its side, like the planet Uranus is, but then that's not perpendicular to anything. That's that's almost parallel. So I know I, don't know I know it's kind of pointless here. to 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 uh, conjure an image for a podcast, but remember in uh, the group chat we're in when I created the this boring world with Daniel Dotty, that that uh, <laughs> that little uh, graphic. Uh, uh, Yes, yes I do. That's all I was thinking of when you the last 45 seconds of my life. Well, in that case, let's move on. Uh perhaps this is not as interesting a flub to others as it was to me. I, no, I mean to... you really you really got Zon right where you want him. I fucking cooked his ass. <laughs> but anyway, so Luke Skywalker is uh, there to continue tracing the movements of the clone troopers. If you'll recall, he's trying to, you know, find out where these clones are coming from. So to do that, they're trying to trace the sort of travel patterns that they're taking. And he's walking through a town with his clone dar up, scanning around, but notices that he's being followed. Uh, So this guy would probably have been doing a good job if he were shadowing a normie. But Luke is a Jedi. Luke radios into R2-D2, who is back with the ship, to let him know things are about to get hairy and to start the takeoff sequence as discreetly as possible. 
and there was an odd moment, uh, and I want to ask you about this, Ronnie. So we were we were speculating about how, like, I think we both arrived at the conclusion that Luke has a kind of, you know, how Han understands what Chewie is saying. Yes. That it seemed like Luke Luke understands what R two D two is saying, but it turns out he doesn't. <laughs> Well, see, the thing about Luke Skywalker is he's pretty dumb. He is, but I I thought this was amazing to just make it explicit. Uh, there's a passage here where it says, he could generally pick up the gist of what R2 was saying, but in a situation like this, the gist might not be enough. <laughs> like, what, man? So, like, all those scenes where you're, like, talking to R2-D2 on, like, Dagobah and stuff, you're just listening to the beeps and boops like we are? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so he's like thinking R2-D2's asking where the biblioteca is. <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised he didn't try to do beeps and boops back at him and accidentally insult his mother. But uh, Robots don't have mothers, Daniel. Come on. I, I think the factory counts as a mother. Uh, then you're getting very granular with that. All right. Well, let's again. Let's move on. This is not an episode of the boring world of Daniel Dottie. Let's 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 move on here. Um, that, that'll be the so most Luke, fantastic spinoff podcast ever. The boring I, world of Daniel Dottie. I actually, we could talk about it later, but I actually have pitched something to uh, a mutual friend of ours. But anyway, <laughs> I will not have to bother you with it. Um, but uh, as Luke carries on, he notices several spots up ahead where he can't read anything through the Force. There are these sort of black zones where he can't get any sense from them. And he recognizes it. Isalamiri. The trap is well and truly set. And so, thinking on his feet, he dashes off into a small alley and uses his Force powers to leap up on top of the two-story buildings. Now, the whole street is now cordoned off by these stormtroopers in Isalamiri rigs, who were kind of combing the enclosed crowd. And the only way down from the rooftop is over the back, where the sheer wall at the edge of the mesa plunges down into the mist below. And uh, believe me when I say I am doing y'all a big favor by uh, really uh, economizing in how I retell this, because it takes up a lot of pages. But um, Yeah, talk, about the, talk about the boring world of Timothy Zahn. <laughs> yeah, this goes well, on and on for pages. <laughs> well, let me get it out of everyone's way. Uh, Luke causes a distraction by using his force powers to plant a blaster on some hapless dude who is also wearing a robe similar to his. Uh, so it gets all the stormtroopers going after that guy. And in the meantime, he goes over that ledge and kind of plunges his lightsaber into the side of that wall on the side of the mesa, kind of like a like a climbing crampon or something. I do like how uh, how use... much time he spends on like uh, debating the ethics of of uh, putting the gun in the bystander's hand. <laughs> he does because it's like Luke bit his lip. It would be a rather unfriendly trick to play on a totally innocent bystander. But on the other hand, the Imperials obviously knew who they were looking for, and it just as obviously wanted him alive. Putting the man down there in deadly danger, he knew, would be unacceptable behavior for a Jedi. Luke could only hope that inconveniencing him would wouldn't fall under the same heading. So yeah, Luke probably got that guy murdered. I was going to say, we're talking about the Imperials. Like, even if like he protests like, no, no, I don't know what's going on. They're going to assume he's an accomplice and like take him in for torture. (laughs) So way to go, Luke. Um, But anyway, Luke uses his lightsaber, kind of plunges it into the side of that wall and kind of cuts into the side of it to slow his descent and makes his way down kind of diagonally. So that by the time he, he's, he's down about 100 meters down that wall, 
Uh, he is outside of or kind of beyond when he was able to climb back up. He'll be beyond the cordon where the stormtroopers are and be able to get back to his spaceship. Um, from there, we cut to the Chimera, uh, which is on scene at Poderis to coordinate this uh, capture attempt. Uh, Peleon delivers the news to Thrawn, who uh, is glowering but uns- unsurprised that intelligence, uh, you know, kind of messed up by letting Luke Skywalker know they were being followed. Because uh, intelligence always underestimates Skywalker. Apparently, this is something that uh, Thrawn has had trouble with before. Maybe, maybe um, they just have the expectations we have for Luke, which are incredibly low. <laughs> like, I don't think he can probably like dress himself without help. Um, so like well, any, of his, why, any of his yeah. actions of daring do are, are beyond me. Look, that's why he has his, his matching black pajamas. That's the only outfit he has. So he'll just, he'll just wear those every time. Uh, but, uh, so Thrawn orders the agent who's supposed to tail Skywalker demoted, but comes up with a new plan to catch their prey, pulling security away from the spaceport and leaving only a modest squad of clones. That way, Luke can uh, manage to get off planet, thinking he has escaped, and it also reinforces their uh, the the Empire's kind of decoy job to make them think Poderis is a major clone distribution hub by having a bunch of clones stationed around. Oh, something interesting uh, I found was that Thrawn, uh, uh, because the Shadower uh, fucked up, he demoted him, and Playon was thinking to himself like, "Well, that's a that's a pretty." big punishment but you know the uh, the previous guy would have just choked him to death <laughs> yeah it's well it's one of a couple of character moments for Thrawn where like it's sort of giving a rationale for why he's so respected by the people under his command you know but I think it would be I think it's a later. good time to bring up the the comparison I made uh, with him when I read this was that uh, Zahn is basically writing his own version of Sherlock Holmes Yes. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, we were kind of talking in the chat. And Peleon is even Watson, what with his wal- walrus-like mustache and all. Yeah, and I have to believe it's probably more likely that he took inspiration from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle than episodes of Hogan's Heroes, but that's just me. <laughs> I think it could be both. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so now the plan for the Imperials is to uh, allow Luke to escape the planet, but then he'll they will be ready to snag him with the Chimera. Uh, Luke goes for it like the perfect patsy he is, taking off in the freighter that he used as an undercover spaceship to go to Poderis, outrunning a couple of Skip Ray blast boats, our favorites, making their third appearance in the trilogy. Um... Once clear of the planet and in space, Luke orders R2 to begin hyperspace calculations while he reaches out with the Force to detect any threats. And sure enough, a Star Destroyer has cleared the planetary horizon and is bearing down on them fast. That's right, the Chimera is coming for them. And they're they're not going to be able to get away in time. But they have a secret weapon, a secret escape gadget. See, Luke's X-Wing is in the freighter compartment on this freighter spaceship. It's down on the cargo hold. Uh, specially mounted to be explosively launched out of the bay. So Luke activates an automated aft proton torpedo launcher to kind of harass whoever is chasing them, slaps the self-destruct mechanism for the freighter, and straps into the X-Wing. Luke senses a tractor beam lock about a half second before it hits, 
and fires the launcher, which also blows a cloud of tractor beam scrambling chaff behind him. So with uh, just enough time to uh, get a couple components on his ship sort of roasted by a turbo laser bolt, Luke makes the jump into hyperspace and escapes. Uh, it's Luke much senses... less exciting uh, reading it. <laughs> Again, this is one of those that takes several pages and we just made it exciting for you, the listener. Um... <laughs> but back on board the Chimera, uh, Peleon is uh, kind of bracing himself for Thrawn's rage. Uh, but as is typical, the Grand Admiral takes it all philosophically. Uh, he does call the tractor beam operator before him to ask a few questions. This is young Ensign Methel reports that uh, once the chaff cloud was launched, he, uh, he lost target lock. He attempted to regain it through a kind of uh, method of refocusing the beam, uh, although that was unsuccessful. But it turns out Thrawn appreciates the way that this young fellow th- was thinking on his feet, because this is a, an issue that has been known to the Empire for a while, this kind of tractor beam defeating chaff cloud. And so uh, many people other than him have tried to find a way through it, and uh, all of them having the benefit of working in a lab, not thinking on their feet like he had to. So rather than have the poor boy executed, like our dear departed Chris Peterson... I was about to say, this is, this is a fucking raw deal for Chris Peterson. He's the only one in this goddamn trilogy that gun killed. <laughs> so Thrawn promotes Ensign Mathel to a lieutenant on the spot and assigns him the task of developing a counter to this rebel trick. I think the difference here, though, is that Ensign Mithel had, like, he, he, he didn't just give up, right? He didn't just like, well, my thing's screwed up. No, he tried to work around it. And I guess the same couldn't be said for Chris Peterson. Uh, R.I.P. Again, R.I.P. Rip to a real one. Um, I, I still think he <laughs> might be the only person to have died in these books. Oh, wow. The only uh, named character, at least. The only named character to have died. I think you're right. I think you're right. That is, Boy, that's that is crazy. fucked up. <laughs> I wonder what his Tampa friend, Chris Peterson, spelled the normal American way, thinks about that. Yeah, what did Chris Peterson do to, <laughs> do to deserve this? Oh, no, there was another person who died. Salperin. Who? Chewbacca's friend. Oh, well, I don't... That's not a person. <laughs> that's a Wookiee. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Okay. Who gives a who gives a rat's ass? He didn't even have any lines, so that's practically nameless. Yeah, you um, might as well be counting droids. <laughs> but uh but I thought this was this this kind of scene wraps up with Pelean kind of uh taking stock of what he's just seen. And it has a the interesting line here. Yesterday the Chimera's crew had trusted and respected the Grand Admiral. After today, they would be ready to die for him. That seems a bit. Time that of, seems like a bit of a stretch. I mean, a, a bit much. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> thanks for not choking me to death for screwing up. I guess I'll die for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, as you I were mean, saying, oh, just uh, that that plan is this kind of Plan's crush growing a little bit. Uh, he says, and for the first time in five years, Plan finally knew in the deepest level of his being that the old empire was gone, the new empire with Grand Admiral Thrawn at its head, had been born. We're going to have to ask Megan about, like, the, the Thrawn play on fanfic. I mean, it's got to be out there. There's got to be a lot of art. 
and I'm going to look at it because I want it to happen. So I <laughs> mean, who, d- hey, who maybe- doesn't want the star-crossed love affair of a of a of a blue red-eyed freak and an incredibly old man? Yeah, well, I, well, Megan was telling us about how like he has like some kind of best friend whose name is like Verbena or Sister Hazel, better than Ezra. Ezra, that's. <laughs> Uh, so thank you everyone. That's the mid '90s alternative uh, radio joke. There, there was. It used to be a band named Better Than Ezra. Uh, anyway, uh, we got we cut back to Luke in the X-wing. Uh, his options for where to go next are limited by the damage to his uh, his uh, starfighter. There, it got some fuel cells, got messed up in the escape, and uh, and it had this wonderful line like. Luke is reflecting on, huh, this whole thing was almost like a replay of that other battle with a Star Destroyer where I barely escaped from a tractor beam and left me stranded in space. This seems to happen a lot to to Luke. Well, it happens a lot to Luke, and it's also like, Timothy, bro, like, what? You don't don't have to write it. (laughs) You don't have to write it, man. You can do something else. (laughs) So I don't know if it's like a motif, perhaps. Um, this is all very intentional. You know, Timothy Zahn is a very considered artist. You know, not, not, there's no wasted brushstroke in a Timothy Zahn joint. Um, I do like how, how he does go into <laughs> detail about, like, whether or not Luke would be able to, to refuel on an Imperial-held uh, planet. Because he does have some Imperial currency left, but he would probably get caught. And then... <laughs> R2 is suggesting that they go to Kessel, and then it's just a reference to the Kessel run, and it's, a, uh, it's just yeah. garbage. It's just stupid. But even more garbage than that, uh, here I have the quote right here. Uh, Luke is looking at his uh, uh, list of kind of reachable worlds. He broke off as one of the planets on the list caught his eye. A planet Leia had programmed into his onboard nav system almost as an afterthought before he left on this mission. Honegger. I've got a better idea, R2, Luke said slowly. Let's go visit the Nogri. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. I was so angry when I read that. I said it to I... you immediately. It was immediately, and I could not believe my eyes. You said it was, and I knew that you knew that I wouldn't believe you if you just told me it happened. You had a screen cap for me. Uh, that's because and so that's, much of it is how it's written that angers me. It's not even yes. well. I better, I better go to this, uh, this shitty planet. No, it's let's go visit the Nogri. Like it's goddamn let's go blues visit clues. The Nogri. <laughs> I hate it. I, and what's, I hate what's, them so what's really much. Fun, and, and we have another couple of... Uh, we have a great line right after that where uh, Luke uh, admonishes R2-D2 by uh, saying that, look, C-3PO, that big old sissy went, and he wasn't afraid. You, you don't want to let him show you up. You don't, you don't want that Pris saying he's braver than you, do you, R2-D2? And then R2 grunted again. Doesn't matter whether or not he had a choice, Luke said firmly. The point is that he went. And I really think that that's <laughs> like that a is... microcosm for like the Nogri planet as a whole. It, it doesn't matter if you had a choice. The point is that he went. We're going to the Nogri yes. planet. Uh, and we have another uh, a fun line for a couple reasons. Leia's been wanting me to go visit them anyway. 
This way, we kill two dune lizards with one throw. So do birds not so exist, they, or what? They don't. <laughs> they don't have birds. They they have they no birds, have birds in Tatooine. <laughs> Although I think the best reaction is the droid gave a mournful and rather resigned gurgle. Which just imagine yeah. that. That just sounds like he's being strangled. Like he's finally dying. He gives a mournful and resigned gurgle. R2, oh, look at that. Uh, the next the next paragraph, R2 gave a single discomfited gurgle and fell silent. Man, so we've gone R2's mournful... gurgling all over the place. <laughs> we've gone from a mournful and rather resigned gurgle to a discomfited gurgle in the space of one, two, four lines. <laughs> oh, what a good book. What a good book. Man, fuck this book, though. Going back to the No Grief You know, planet, it, after, at we, least, after we just uh, left. At least... In these next two chapters, we don't actually get to the Nogri planet. No, and thank you. That means, like, next episode, we're going to have to deal with the fucking Nogri again. I hate them so much. (laughs) Little, little, little Vader mask faced gray pieces of garbage. We gotta. That don't even look like Vader's mask because that was something that that they cut from the the original book. That's right. So now they just look like gray nonsense. It's uh, just a just we got to find a way to make it fun for us is what I'm thinking. When we when we get to the Nogri chapter, we got to come up with like a fun game we can do or something. I don't know because I cannot, I cannot with those little guys. Um, at least in, but let us at least it, in but, chapter five we get some political intrigue. We do. I was gonna say chapter five is the return of that thing we all know and love a high council scene. We, there's a and there's a boy. There's a few things to say about. It this so uh mon mothma this is chapter five uh mon mothma is going over the latest reports from this imperial offensive uh that's been going on with admiral akbar and leia uh tree and yukia have fallen without firing a shot thanks to some kind of shield penetrating weapon or trick but they can't puzzle it out borsk failure is giving everyone the silent treatment and not contributing which is insane because how is Borsk Failia still on the council? What the fuck? I don't know. How is Matt Gates still in Congress, folks? But, like, even given, like, the rules that we were given about Bothan politics in the last book, right? Shouldn't one of his lieutenants been ready to pounce on him the moment he made a misstep? And isn't doing the that ought to hold the little SOBs? accidentally on on air telling all the army guys that he doesn't respect them and thinks they're stupid count as a misstep shouldn't someone be like out there you know knifing him in the back at least i don't know mate dude zon must have like some some stock in in uh bothan futures (laughs) i think the bothans have some information on him that's what i think but yeah Uh, this this is very like this is political intrigue for someone who has no interest in politics, because we're just talking about <laughs> Yukians and and Woosters and and Filvians and all these all these races of people we've never met before and don't care about. Yeah, nowhere near as colorful and well sketched out as the Bims. Yeah, I mean those guys wore yellow. <laughs> they wore yellow and they stood in lines and they loved it. Um, Leia floats that card. Talon card is probably their best bet for getting any intel. On the situation, but Akbar grumbles and uh, I, I, brings I do up, like uh, how Faley is just described as sitting there, his eyes on the table, yeah, his cream-colored, firm, motionless. 
Not speaking, not reacting, perhaps not... not even thinking. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just he's just there to make everyone uncomfortable. He's waiting for someone to say like they're sorry or something. It's pretty funny. Um the Akbar kind of bristles at the idea of bringing in a smuggler and then he says, "How about General Bell Iblis? He was fighting alone against the empire for several years, so he might have some kind of intel on this." Uh and that makes Mon Mothma a little flutter. A muscle twitches in her cheek. Says, so far we're still integrating his intelligence contacts into our own system. Akbar says, I wasn't referring to his contacts. I met the general himself. Why isn't he here? So Akbar kind of showing his claws there. I yet again, I yet again remembered that uh, Bernie Iblis's first name is Garm. It's Garm. <laughs> which is terrific. I take back everything really I said great. about Timothy Zahn. Garm is delightful. Akbar wants, to, Akbar wants to know where Garm is. Um... Yeah, and then uh, there's the, like a recap of like the shadowy triad of leadership with Mon Mothra and right, and, like uh, why they have bad blood. Leia's dad, yeah. the you know adoptive dad, not Darth Vader. That would be crazy. That would be nuts. Um, yeah, so instead, you know, Mon Mothma is kind of explaining that uh, she's not you know purposely sidelining Bell Iblis. He's deployed out on the front because they need an experienced general with his tactical genius out there fighting the war. Not back here, you know, jaw John, right? Um, I mean, uh, Mon Mothma the... has him visiting Wisconsin, you know, because she can't uh, <laughs> be bothered. She can't too. be bothered. <laughs> so, so all through the scene, Leia's stomach has tightened several times uh, as in her anxiety. Um, and at first, I will I will grant Zahn a, a bit of he he was terrific in this misdirection because I thought it was just his typical thing of overusing an expression. Like mentally crossing her fingers. Oh, we get one of those uh, in in this uh, in in uh, I think oh, the next <laughs> chapter. <laughs> yes, you'll have to point it out to me. I don't remember reading that one. Um, but anyway, it turns out Leia's stomach wasn't tightening because of her frustration or or anxiety. It was tightening because those are contractions. The twins are coming. Oh, at long last, the babies are going to be born. Leia heads down to the... Boy, uh, is it a weird segment of the book. I... Thank you for saying so. I... Well, let's just kind of go through the the recap and we'll chew on this a bit. Uh, Leia heads down to the medical bay to deliver the twins. Uh, there are a couple of choice details I thought were interesting. Uh, there's one, quote, The walls and ceiling of the birth room were a warm tan color with a superimposed series of shifting lights that had been synchronized with Leia's own brainwave patterns. How the fuck did they do calmness. that? Well, I love this because... Synchronized with their brainwaves. This sounds exactly like the kind of bullshit I would do if I, like, had a cult. And I was, like, inducting a new member. I would put them in the room with, like, just some light patterns going and be like, these are attuned to your brainwaves. So, <laughs> like, it's such a weird... But apparently that's science in, in Star Wars. <clears throat> but as the labor progresses, uh, Leia is... Uh, you know, Han is there. Han, Han arrives. Thank God he's not off on some submarine casino with his gambler best friend for this. He's not, um, he's not busy <clears throat> in a subplot. He's not. He's not visiting a subplot, huh? No, no, I got it. All right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so Leia is in force contact to to trying to reassure the twins. We've you know we've known you know moments of that throughout the books. She's like 
you know, uh, talking to the twins and trying to feel them with the force. But she said, but it says he, she can feel their fear. She feels their fear. The, the, the fetuses who are preparing to be born are terrified. And what a bizarre thing to have in your Star Wars novel. The idea that a pregnant woman would feel the pressure of the terror in her babies as they're being born? And like, I can't imagine anything so... I, like the, the the note I had here is like this is some eraser head shit. <laughs> like it's really well. Then she starts talking very to the bizarre. twins, and it's like the <clears throat> right. But then the twins' minds react somehow. I guess it's like the first. It's like the first time she's had like direct lucid contact, and like one of the twins is like you know they're they're terrified, but one of them makes lucid contact with Leia and sends an image of a baby's hand curled around her finger. And she sends you know, back. This is yes. fucking sponsored by the Right to Life Committee. I'm your mother, and I'm here. And she then loses. This was an interesting touch. She then loses contact, but then feels the second fetus calm down. The two fetuses are in psychic contact with each other, and then Leia goes through this whole thing of like feeling a little remorseful that they'll have this special twin bond that she'll never get to be a part of. And more importantly, know, and, Han's and then, just iced out of everything. And Han is, complete, is completely, un, totally untouched by any of this. So anyway, with all this fucking David Lynch bullshit, the, the twins are born uh, in, a, in, a, in a very uneventful delivery, which is kind of insane for, like, Leia... I, I, guess, I guess, again, the super science of Star Wars is probably really something. But delivering twins on your first pregnancy, like, via the birth canal, I, I don't think that's typically done with medical science now. I think that's like an automatic C-section. But, now, if uh, you're telling me that just... Timothy Zahn doesn't know much about pregnancy, you... <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, now let, well... me, let, me, uh, let me slow roll the... Uh, the most important part, which is uh, the names. <laughs> Please, yes. Now, uh, Daniel, uh, not to get too personal, but I, I recall when you had your daughter, you went for like a, you know, a traditional like, toy to toy to toy to toy name, right? <laughs> yes, she, she, <laughs> she ended up with a very, uh, a very Irish name, yes. And... Um, I guess these are like classic Corellian names because we've got uh, Jaina and Jason, and uh, I bet you, I bet you're wondering, <laughs> is Jason spelled the correct way or the annoying way? It's the annoying way. It's the annoying way. Fucking J-A-C-E-N. Han Solo. C E N. Han Solo out here naming his kids like a pumpkin spice latte mom. <laughs> Jason. And this. This is like prescience, I think, on Zahn's part, because this is like, he wrote this in 1993. Like, this is well before yeah. all the Bradens and Jasons and and so on were created. That's true, all the Lakens and Brayleys out there. Yeah, it, it was ahead of the curve on stupid white people names. So, can we credit Timothy Zahn with that trend? I think so. Yes, I, yes. <laughs> I think we can credit him with that. Also, I love that it's um, 10 hours of labor. Yeah. 
Yeah. That seems it's a bit right, short. Finally, after 10 hours of labor. Well, that is short for like a first pregnancy. And then also like when. Uh, so here. Okay. Let me actually read how this reads. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. never mind. Okay. Like they got to the pushing part. So I don't know like how long. I guess she was in there having like the mind lights you know, go all around the room for 10 hours. And then for the last five minutes, they actually had some dialogue uh, about everything. Um, But no, there they are. They, they laid the twins in her arms a few minutes later. And as she looked first at them and then up at Han, she felt a sense of utter peace settle over her out among the stars. There might be a war going on, (laughs) but for here, star war, you might say (laughs) all, all was right with the universe. (laughs) I didn't even catch that the first time I read it. Out there among these Star Wars. Oh, boy. What a good book. And speaking of Star Wars. We're definitely reaching a low point. This this is rougher (laughs) than the worst parts of Dark Force Rising. I think it's at least more interesting. Oh, it's more interesting. I I, I don't need... I don't need Timothy Zahn writing about pregnancy... (laughs) <laughs> well, good good news. It's the pregnancy's over, so now he'll be writing about small children and babies, which I'm sure he's also an expert about. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, Unfortunately, we speaking... we uh, we move on to something uh, even better, which is Wedge Antilles, which is Wedge Antilles in some space battle bullshit. That's right. We smash cut. Speaking of Star Wars, which is I th- I think honestly Timothy Zahn should have put in there. It said speaking of Star Wars. Um, we cut to Wedge and Rogue Squadron, who are in the middle of a vicious dogfight. Uh, this is pages and pages of some space battle stuff, so as is tradition on this show, we will not do the blow-by-blow blow on that. But the scene serves to indicate just how desperate the situation is out on the front lines, because this whole battle that Wedge is in has turned into a fighting retreat. Um, well, most importantly, uh, it, even... it reintroduces uh, Bernie Iblis. Yes, it introduces Bernie Iblis that uh, Wedge had kind of second thoughts about when Bernie Iblis issues an order for his his squad to disengage from something, but it's to make room for a squad of A-wings to come in and hit him and and just and uh distract everybody and, and make create an opening uh in the battle. So it's his 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 tactical genius is still intact, but uh as the way the battle plays out, it's really only its only use here is to save a few lives and buy some more time for an organized retreat rather than being utterly crushed. Because in this strategic situation, uh, all the tactics in the world can't uh, can't save you. It's at this point so, that, that Wedge uh, was mentally crossing his fingers. Oh, he was. Okay. Well, that would explain why I didn't remember it, because my eyes kind of glaze over space battle stuff. My, mine too, but I... I definitely uh, key in on every time <laughs> you honed in on that. mentally crossing their fingers. <laughs> it's such a stupid right. phrase that I've only heard it ever in Timothy Zahn's Star Wars novels. <laughs> yes. So, um, but with with that, we now move on to Chapter Six. We'll, we'll round out our recap for uh, for this episode with the Wild Card dropping out of hyperspace. I always like I always like to put a little mustard on it. When Talon Card makes an appearance, you know um, we we talk we don't talk enough about how just the the names in this book have just fallen off a cliff. Like we've made a few jokes about like the the Wooster system and and Yukio and whatever, 
Now, now they're talking about the the Chazwa system, which just sounds like Australian trash. (laughs) The Chazwa, that's what they call those, uh, they got these fucking weird lobster things down there, because of course they do, it's Australia, nothing can be normal. Um, that sounds like what they call those, like, throw some Chazwas on the Bobby. Exactly. Horrible. It's, it's a horrible language, Australian. (laughs) Australian, (laughs) right. Um... But anyway, this does have a, a a line I thought was very funny. So they they uh, the wild card arrives in the Chazwa system. They notice um, scattered around it in the darkness of space, the exhaust glows of perhaps fifty ships, incoming and outgoing. Most were freighters and bulk cruisers. A few were clearly Imperial warships. Well, here we are, Ave said. Conversationally. <laughs> Conversationally from the co-pilot station. Incidentally, Card, I'd like to go on record as saying this is an insane idea. And my first thought was to the uh, the Brad Goodman episode of The Simpsons, The Self-Help Guru, where after an ad break, the family's pulling up to attend his seminar and Homer just announces, well, here we are at the self-help seminar. <laughs> and Bart just says, what an odd thing to say. What an odd <laughs> use of the word conversationally, because... I'm I'm just thinking back to Elmore Leonard's like ten rules of writing, which is you should never like use anything other than the word said to describe someone yeah. talking, and just adding flourishes of of like adverbs is just completely unnecessary. It's it's asking for trouble. And like, why why is it in the why do you need it? Because they're clearly having a conversation, so it's going to be conversational. <laughs> Maybe they should have just said, well, here we are, Ave said, making chit-chat. Sure, why not? <laughs> but but uh, that, That'll, go, that'll go in our long-term project, which is to rewrite these books. Yes, we will rewrite them and then send them to Dave Felony, and we will be rich. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, Card is here on a fact-finding mission to get some intel to sell to the New Republic. Reasoning that if the clone transport line runs through the Oris sector, then the Chazwa garrison will have records of it. So he's going to come in and do a slicer hit on the Chazwa garrison database. But as they're talking over how insane or not the plan is, a freighter approaches them. Which uh, Aves IDs as Kern's Pride, belonging to, speaking of the names dropping off a cliff, Samuel Thomas Gillespie... (laughs) I mean, that just sounds like a guy that that ran on the Free Silver uh, platform in, (laughs) like, 1838. Right, right, in 06. Um, Yeah, this is an old smuggler pal of cards. And so we have a little touch of the Chris Peterson syndrome in that uh, Thomas is spelled in the Spanish manner, Tomas, T-O-M-A-S. But otherwise, it's just plain Samuel. So, I, I guess the people of Star Wars have access to the Hebrew Bible, so that they would know the name. Well, I mean, Samuel. Luke. So, I I guess, but like Luke is, I and mean, that's a very simple. Like there, there's just three phonemes, right? Like Luke, it's like Ugg or or Crook. It's it's not a very like there are a lot of to elements see to it. Zon introduce someone named Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, I would Jesus too. Blarn. <laughs> Jesus Guillermo Blarn. <laughs> so anyway, we're introduced to Samuel Tomas Gillespie. Why not? A just, smuggler just, in just, Star Wars. Just, just 
fly this whole fucking book into the mountain. They shoot the shit for a little while. It turns out Gillespie went legit and bought himself a big old plot of land on the planet Yukio, which he then had to bug out from when the Imperials invaded. But it turns out he got macro binocular footage of the strikes, which Card is very interested in to sell onto the Republic. But uh, as they're talking, two Imperial Lance-class frigates begin to approach on Gillespie. Uh, look, they're, they're making a beeline, you know, Card thinks they're coming after him, but they're actually going after Gillespie. So Card has his chance. He can go, he can run, but rather than cut and run, rather than hit and fade, uh, Card decides he's going he's gonna to come to his old pal's aid. So he calls in his cavalry. The rest of his fleet had been sort of on standby. Uh, so Card's fleet drops out of hyperspace to harass and distract the Imperials so Gillespie can get a, make a getaway. And Gillespie returns the favor, calling in his guys to zap in and uh, cause a distraction so that everyone can get away together. Uh, I'm just looking at more so awful names. Uh, there's <laughs> Sivervren, and there's also Fawn yeah. and Rapapore. Well, there's a real bad one. Uh, let's see. I think it was toward the Filvians. Oh, no. It was like Luke. One of the plants Luke was going to go to was like Filvsving. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I had a joke about how it sounded like (laughs) something Ikea sold. I was going to say it sounds like uh, the noise a Norwegian fisherman makes when they sneeze. Yeah, like Uh, maybe he ran out of Tampa people and he's just going after Ikea products. Yeah, or maybe by this point, like everyone he knows in Tampa were all jealous of his success and were all nasty bitches. So he didn't even want to honor them with a... Or maybe, and this is name. probably most likely, he doesn't give a shit anymore. Right, he's just... He's Whatever. Turn, he's turning this stuff... Whatever. Rapaport, Phil, fuck it. <laughs> he's turning this stuff into Betsy. He has not even take, given it a second look. Poor Betsy. Can you imagine editing this? I bet it was so much more rough when she got it. But, hey, that's, you know, she makes the big bucks. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. She just under but anyway. she just underlines in in red pen no green planet again. <laughs> she just circles the whole pregnancy thing and then puts a cr- X through it. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, this is actually like his third draft of the pregnancy <laughs> scene. This is the least disturbing one he came up with. <laughs> but anyway, the we're t- baby we're about, came uh, out of her stuff, and then. <laughs> The baby came out Jedi-ly from her stuff. <laughs> Conversationally. Um, this, they, is, this is falling apart. <laughs> we can't even recap this properly. So anyway, Samuel Tomas Gillespie <laughs> makes a plan. <laughs> makes a plan with Talon Card to rendezvous with him at uh, in eight days at the planet Troga. And to tell all his rowdy friends to be there. We were calling in all the smugglers. So Card's going to have a plan for everybody. For all these smugglers. Which as we've established is the single most numerous job in the galaxy. Um, so Card has something up his sleeve. But he doesn't He, do, he doesn't even know quite what it is yet. He's going to have to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, now all he had to do was figure out exactly what he was going <laughs> to say to them. <laughs> right, he's like, okay buddy. Well, I bought myself is... eight days. 
it's like it's like how I would I would run a smuggling operation. Like, uh, let's meet again in uh eight days, and then I'll definitely have some drugs or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, uh, so we cut back to the Chimera. After all that, where Thrawn is addressing a group of fourteen men arranged in a semicircle in front of his command chair. This is the Imperial Commando Squad, tasked with neutralizing Mara Jade and kidnapping Jaina and Jason. My notes just say the babies, but let's call them by their names. Jaina and Jason. Brayden and Caden. Major Him... Brayden and... (laughs) Brayden and Creighton. Major Himron suggests that their freighter that they'll be taking undercover make some stops at a couple of other ports on their way to Coruscant to better support their cover story. Thrawn is mindful that there's a time crunch here. It's anyone's guess whether Mara Jade has told the Rebels anything already, and every day is risking it more and more. But he concurs that it's probably best to do this as quietly as possible. So he gives Major Himron his blessing to do it his way. The commando team files out, and Thrawn goes back to examining a collection of paintings. This is my favorite part. People. This is my favorite part <laughs> of the entire, very... the entire selection, which is Mris artwork. He identified it for Floyd's benefit, also known as the audience. Uh, one of the most yes. curious examples of a mission to be found anywhere in the civilized galaxy. Until they were contacted by the 10th Alderaanian Exposition, not a single one of the dozens of Marist cultures had ever developed any form of three-dimensional artwork. Fucking insane thing to say. So I just imagine everything just looked like Super Nintendo graphics. Well, it's like... Okay... Uh, and we'll, 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 I guess we'll round out the kind of exchange here because I think it's it's interesting. It says, uh, well, uh, interesting, Paleon said dutifully. There's a good adverb. Some flaw in their perceptual makeup? Many of the experts still think so. What experts? It's, who are the experts? It's, who, who, are the art, it's, who are the art <laughs> critics in, still around in fucking Imperial Star Wars? Hey, we already established that they have an academic press because of the scientific papers. So clearly they must have art historian God papers. damn it. I hate this book. <laughs> I hate Timothy Zahn and I hate you. Well, I just think this is insane. Okay, so it seems clear to me, though, that the oversight was actually a case of cultural blind spots combined with a very subtle but equally strong social harmonization. A combination of traits we'll be able to exploit. Okay. First of all, it is absolutely fucking insane to th- say that uh, an entire planetary society had never developed sculpture when, if you're talking about sapient beings, right? Sapient species, intelligent tool-using species. Like, creating tools is creating three-dimensional, maybe not artworks, but it's creating three-dimensional objects, Right. So if a society, if a, if, a, if a species has the capability of creating tools for it to use, that's why one of the first kinds of art you see out of human beings is sculpture. It's, it's making, it's, it's shaping stone and wood and bone like you would shape stone and wood and bone to make tools, except now you're using it to make representative objects. Like, that is fucking crazy to make this kind of, like... I don't know, man. I I, I know this I, is all just, just Star Wars. I'm just Thrawn to blow their minds by sending them a copy of Super Mario 64. <laughs> the the Mariss are are uh, absolutely just fixated on how you can pull Mario's nose. Also, Mariss, another shitty name. Wacky. 
pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Especially because it sounds name. exactly like the, the fucking name of uh, uh, Thrawn's people, the Chist. Chist, Mariss, oh, it, it, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. Here's a good one. Pelean looked at the artwork. His stomach tightening. <laughs> We're attacking wrist. That is the that is the fourth or fifth use of the phrase stomach tightening. Pelean's pregnant. And Pelean's pregnant. <laughs> I'm telling you, Thrawn knocked him out. I'm sure there's oh, fan fiction God. to that extent out there somewhere. There, Pelean Mpreg. Yeah. I, <laughs> I sure hope so. But anyway, uh, Mrist is an important planet. It's 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 ripe for the taking, uh, and a base there would give them the capability to launch attacks into the very heart of the rebellion. But of course, the rebels know that, which means they will of course throw everything they have to protect it. So that's going to be a harder nut to crack. Except if the if we know that they're going to go for it, then that's the perfect location to set an ambush with all their concentrated imperial forces. If the rebels take the bait, their fleet will be crushed. If they don't, they take the planet anyway. I've got some more awful win, names win. for you. Ord Go Mantell. Uh, Ord Mantell. Yeah. Bill Bringy. I think that one actually Bill, might be... Bill Bringy. <clears throat> Bill, Bill Bringy. <laughs> They're low on Tibana gas, as well as Freedium and Camrys. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's just smashing his keyboard now. Now, I, I want to say, I think Ord Mantell and Tabana gas cannot be laid at the feet of Timothy Zahn. I think those pre-exist the Zahn trilogy. Tabana's not that bad. I mean, it's it's much better than yeah. Bill Bringy. And it's much better than Hafridium. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, but anyway, who do we know who has a bunch of Hafridium, Ronnie? Uh, I don't know. It's that guy we love. Lando Calrissian. Oh, remember? yeah. He was, he was stockpiling it. To sell when the price got a little better, so uh, they're so they're, you know the Imperials are running low on freedom, but they know who to steal it from, from Lando, and this time there won't be any need because if you remember, of course, that that mining planet with the uh, with Lando's kind of marching city on it was very close to a very severe sun, so they had those shield ships for uh, ferrying uh, spaceships down to the planet. And also, when the when the Judicator attacked, it had to be fitted with a special shielding all over it. That was very expensive and time-consuming hey, to make. Hey, listen to this sentence. Um, Poyan looked at his report yeah. again, feeling a grimace settling in on his face. Shouldn't it be settle on his in on his face? Fe- yeah, feeling a grimace settle on his face. Yeah. I noticed switch, a lot of that. Betsy. Betsy... I know you're busy with your with your young child. I guess they'd be 18 months old, maybe two years old by now. But uh, Betsy, baby, you gotta, you gotta. You're just you're just letting you, you're letting Zahn run hog wild, and it's to nobody's benefit. <laughs> but anyway, so hitting Inclon won't be nearly as resource intensive as it was last time because now with their new Katana fleet dreadnoughts, those are small enough to fit uh, within the penumbra of the shield ships. So all that's required is a small boarding party to take over one of those. Uh, and then you use that to auger in a strike force to do the smash and grab. So Pelean is impressed, but worried that Calrissian may sell off his stock before they can get there. I'd still recommend, sir, that the attack be carried out as soon as possible. Recommendation noted, Captain. And as it happens, already acted upon. The raid was launched ten minutes ago. That's a good Thrawn Classic. voice. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's how I feel he should talk. Like a kind of like mid-Atlantic, you know, kind of overeducated, maybe a little jumped up. But, uh... Mid-Atlantic space accent. (laughs) Exactly. But there there we have it. That closes out uh, chapter six. And uh, what a wild ride it has been this time. This is a clusterfuck. What a novel. (laughs) We've got... And see that... We've got Bill Bringy and Pregnancy and Jason and Jada and... Stomachs are tightening. No green planets. There's so much and yet so little... Garm is out there doing what he can. Borskphalia is uh, sitting at the table, but he's not saying anything. Yeah, which apparently, I, I I was looking back, and apparently it's like his form of penance is to just shut the fuck up for the rest of the book. Which, sure, I'm okay with that. <sighs> I guess, yeah. I mean, it's better than having to deal with Borskphalia dialogue. But uh, You know, Zahn, you could have just not had him in the book. Just don't have him in the book! <laughs> He's, he's in jail now! Or something? Come on! Like, that is fucking crazy. I don't understand... Because his arc was wrapped up. Like, he wrapped his arc at the end of Dark Force Rising. He was, he was shown to be a fraud and a coward. The army doesn't respect him anymore. His whole plan is gone. He's done. He's shot. Why is he back? Why are the Nogri back?! <laughs> I think we're. I think when we finish this trilogy, we're gonna have to like create like a little chart of like you know characters we love to characters we hate. Because yeah, Borskphalia and the Nogri are definitely in the the hate category. Big time in the hate column. Big time. Big time. Uh, and I, of course, and in I, the love column, Lando. We have Shin, uh, Lando, Ghent, of course, Garm. Uh, Samuel Tomas Gillespie, uh, uh, Niles, Niles Ferrier, <laughs> Niles Niles Ferrier. Yeah, now we're just going to listing N- off Niles names. Crane Ferrier. <laughs> now we're just listing off names, things we remember. And 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 folks, doesn't that just say, what is Timothy Zahn if not such a masterful storyteller that these vivid characters we keep in our hearts <laughs> for so long. This is really forever. They'll they'll stay with us, and we'll think about them often. But this, not to think about them now, a, because it, it just. <clears throat> I have a side note. It's a really funny now to read like people on the internet saying like, "Well, here's the Empire." I mean, that's like the the best, some of the best uh, Star Wars fiction out there. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, buddy, it's... you may be right, but that's not saying much. I do love that we have discovered by starting with the universally. And I and I and I cannot stress this enough. Universally regarded as the highest quality Star Wars fiction. Starting out with that and knowing that we only it's only only way to go is down, is just really funny and also a little distressing. <laughs> and the thing is, we're eventually going to end up like watching one of those TV shows, and we're just going to be angry. It's like the Nogri aren't supposed to act like that. We're gonna exactly. We're gonna be very protective. We're gonna of, be gatekeeping uh, this the shit. Trilogy. We're gonna be gatekeeping this shit. Do you know what? We're eventually gonna have to read a Chuck Wendig novel. Oh God. <laughs> That's. I. Uh, oh man. I think it's going to be instructive. I think we're gonna learn a lot. But speaking of instructive and learning a lot, 
Now it is time, after the recap is all done, it is time for the most uh, trenchant, penetrating uh, segment to be found anywhere on the airwaves, be they podcast, radio, or television. The titanic struggle of mind against mind that is our debate segment, Into the Thronderdome. And hey, speaking of titanic struggles in the free marketplace of ideas... What is our uh, what is our topic tonight, Ronnie? Now you'll remember in a previous episode we discussed Facebook versus Twitter, but now we're going to be discussing uh, Twitter alone, or as it's called now, X. Now <laughs> so we could re- we could we could probably call it Twitter versus X. <laughs> yeah. So the question is: Is Twitter X better or worse under the leadership of uh, Elon Musk, uh, Diamond Mine? South African lungfish man who has 20 kids that don't talk to him. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we have. So, the, the question before your interlocutors today is Has Twitter been improved by the tenure of Elon Musk, Elon Tomas Musk, uh, or has it, uh, has it been disimproved? I don't know what the what the word to use there is. So I guess Ronnie, you expressed an interest in in going to bat for the uh, the lungfish man with twenty kids with no with uh, even worse than Star Wars names who he doesn't talk to. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, and my argument is simple: right. uh, comedy is now legal on Twitter again, or X. <laughs> and and so many of those beloved uh, rogues gallery of characters that. That were once uh, suspended from Twitter, such as the Babylon Bee and and Donald Trump, are now back, um, and they're better than ever. Donald Trump may be uh, not using his account, but the Babylon Bee is sure misgendering people in the sake of comedy. I guess um, I I would, it speaks to the overall uh, the overall feeling of of X now, which is anything goes. You know, you go to a trending topic and anything, whether it's like, I don't know, a football game or Ben Affleck or 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 anything, like the third or fourth tweet will inevitably be from a Nazi. And not even someone who's like, <laughs> who's, who's like, you know, being coy about it. Someone who's just like, Adolf Hitler, fourteen eighty-eight, and yeah, it's the it's the kind of post that's just like, uh, oh hey, uh, cute kitten. Did you know that Zog is inflicting black music on everyone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, <laughs> not only that, you can also see porn pretty regularly. And uh, most famously, uh, a guy got suspended for showing uh, child abuse and then got reinstated because I guess. Uh, Child abuse is a form of comedy. Well, it was he was he was only looking at it to get directions on how not to look at it. Yeah, exactly. And, so and, dis- and disseminate it across the internet. So it really acts as a throwback to to back before the internet had any sort of rules or regulations or any code of conduct that was loosely agreed upon by all interested parties. It's basically become 4chan, and uh, 4chan is. I mean, 4chan is pretty important. It got uh, Donald Trump elected. It did. That's true. That's true. Uh, 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter you in a in a in a couple of couple of ways here, Ronnie. Now now you know me. <clears throat> I am of course. Um, if I had hair, it would be blue. Uh, I am confused about my own gender. Uh, I am constantly in search of a safe space. Uh, so for me, uh, Twitter under uh, Mr. Musk's tenure has been probably the worst thing since 9/11. It's actually worse than 9/11 because at least that was uh, a, a, that was uh, an anti-colonial uh, stab at the heart of empire. <laughs> just just kidding. That is not my actual fuck. Okay, that is uh, that's my a little opinion. too ironic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, um, but but anyway, as uh, as as a snowflake, one might say, uh, I have of course been very dismayed at the at the direction that the website has taken. Uh, and what's even more dismaying is that all of the celebrities who I hate have uh, fled the site. So now you know I go on there. I'm I'm really looking to get mad. At, uh, you know, whatever, uh, I don't know, John Fugelsang has to say about some stupid bullshit. Actually, I haven't heard about that guy in years, so that's a bad example. Um, but, you know, just I, I go on there looking to find, like, some clueless libs, you know, saying something stupid. Or, you know, some guy putting his foot in his mouth. And I can't see any of that stuff because I'm just constantly having to sift through all the Nazi bullshit. And I didn't come in for it. I want to be made mad when I go on Twitter. Yes. That is what it's there for. That is what I like to do. But not that kind of mad. That kind of mad is dismaying. That kind of mad sucks. It's, it's soul-crushing to think that you share a world with uh, Nazi trash like uh, these people who are trying to convince you that uh, fucking, I don't know, like because someone lives on the other side of an imaginary line drawn by syphilitic slave owners, that means that they're evil and deserve death. It's uh, look. It's you may not. Really you may not dismay. have your celebrities anymore, but you know what you do have now. What's what's that? Cat turd. <laughs> that lovable king cat turd. That lovable guy who's always aggrieved about something. I I love I love cat turd because he he was so he was convinced that once Elon Musk gets in charge and 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 fires all the blue hairs who are shadow banning his account he'll finally get all the likes and engagement and lavish praise that he deserves and so he's very confused that he's still not getting a million likes on every one of his posts which are wall to wall bangers also and speak, he is speaking upset. back to anything goes how about uh Elon Musk's uh, new decision to uh, get rid of the block function isn't that cool? <laughs> That's another one. Think about it. That's Think really about good. it. You're you're a woman who's being harassed on the internet, and you can't block any of the the Pepe's from uh, sending you death threats. Isn't that cool? <laughs> See, yeah, and I, I believe the uh, the the line, like someone brought up the the block feature, and and Elon Musk, the in in what is perhaps the world's most I'm divorced and my children don't speak to me thing to say says, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can't block someone why would in I real to, life. Why, why, would I, why would I want to curate my time-wasting experience on your stupid fucking website at the, at, at the very, with the at least crude option of just not seeing somebody? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Dude, speaking of like yeah, fucking uh, setting, the, 
sending the plane into the mountain. Like Elon Musk's ex is just doing that every fucking day, and it's it's fun to watch. <laughs> I will I will give you that. I I um I do think for the for the parameters of our debate. I think the, the 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 weight of evidence is clearly on my side that it is a generally worse experience. It is a worse platform. It is a less functional platform. Oh yeah, sometimes it'll like just flat out the not software work. engineers. It just does not work in new and interesting ways every time. Um, but uh, I, I I I do have to admit I agree with you, Ronnie, that it's a hell of a ride to see unfold in real time. As uh, as Elon Musk becomes low tax of uh, something awful, and hey, we can only hope he follows that example to its ultimate end. Yeah, by selling it to somebody and then living happily ever after, <laughs> and definitely not uh, splattering your brains all over the roof with the or ceiling with a shotgun. Well, I mean, think about it. if he did that to avoid child support, he'd be having to do it like twenty times. <laughs> And see, and see, there you go, folks. I mean, I might have to concede to Ronnie because what greater, what greater spirit of posting is there than than, than posting your way out of having contact with uh, with your ex and your children? Oh, and, also, uh, you and, know, uh, another thing is that we've been moving away from the the days of forums. Now we're back in the days of forums because now we have a moderator we all hate. <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, in a way, it's a uh, it's a bit of a throwback. So you know, uh, we'll leave it to you, the audience, to determine you know where 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 the the side of truth is and all this. Hey, you know what? Because this is hey, Thronderdome is all about being the free exchange of ideas. This is a free speech absolutist podcast, and you know. You can't you can't connect with your friends and have a good time talking about movies if you, you're if you're you know also not allowing Nazis to spew hate speech in your face. So exactly, you know, think about that for a second. Uh, and with the, <laughs> with that concluding, although wisdom, I could still I still end up getting suspended on Twitter for like twelve hours for saying somebody should should run run their car into a telephone pole. So how about that, Elon? I thought comedy was legal. Yeah. Well, see, you have to direct that comedy toward entire racial groups, not just specific people. Yeah, I guess the, and the then thing is, the, my issue is that I'm not harassing trans people, so... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, if you, just, if you just make life hell for somebody who's just trying to live, then you're, you're in good. You're in, you're in good. Uh, well, with that, uh, I have been your co-host, Dr. Daniel Dottie. With me, as always, uh, the reverend, the former reverend, Ronnie Gardaki. Uh, this has been a real hoot and holler. We had a lot of fun with this one, and God only knows where Timothy's going to take us. I get the feeling it's going to get a lot stupider. Uh, so please join us for the remainder of The Last Command with our next episode covering chapters 7, 8, and 9. Uh, with that, I will bid everyone a good night. And just for everyone interested, the Brewers won tonight, and they've now won nine straight. So go Brewers. And go Brewers.